If you enjoy the channel and our video content and would like to support us, you can do this in a couple of ways. You can sign up to our Patreon site which is a monthly subscription to one of our four tiers, each giving you something different from early access interviews up to exclusive unseen footage. There's also the option of a one-off donation via PayPal which allows you the option to donate an amount of your choice. Both options really help to keep this channel going and to continue putting out regular content for you good folk. So please take a look at aircurrentreview.tv forward slash donate and I thank you in advance. Thank you and enjoy. But let's get on to uh, the Mirage 3 and I think you said the CZ and first CZ. of all ha- CZ alright oh, okay and how this, did you get posted to the Mirage well, what are you going to put yeah that's well, the one you can show this beautiful airplane. It's even today. It's a lovely looking machine. It's a good looking jet, isn't it? We, 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 that's where we got the huge surprise because we was we just finished our OCU on the Vampire and we were just done a couple of flights on the squadron and all of a sudden we got this posting to the Hunter. Yeah. And <clears throat> what we didn't realize is we couldn't obviously couldn't acquire aircraft um, in because of sanctions on us. Um, and the South Africans had the CZ model, which is the one the Israelis used in the, Israeli, in the, in the, in the Six-Day War. And then they had the e, e model, which was the later model. The e, C model was purely an interceptor, was supposed to be purely an interceptor. Right. And the E model had a more of a ground attack role, and it had more, it had Doppler and uh, extra fuel tap and that type of thing. They were then, they were getting quite old, especially the, the C models. And I, went, I went in 73, so they got them in 63. They were looking at another aircraft, and they, they, they got the F1. Now, you've spoken to Kulvastorian about flying the F1. Yes. So they, they, were, they were going to get that. So when they, 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 they decided they were going to buy it, they said, well, well, we might as well let these Rhodesians, because we were only at, at that stage, we had 11 hunters. We needed more. We're... This is a story, and it's not official at all, Mike, but this is a story. Now, there were several different ones, but I think this is the closest. Let the Rhodesians come down. They can work on the CZ. They can fly it. And when we get F1s, they can take, take it back to Rhodesia. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's what, and I was about number number four, no, uh, number five, number five to go down. So we went to the Hunter. Much against everyone, no one was happy about it because these some lieutenants going to the Hunter where they should have been senior pilots, but that was the idea. It was to get us cleared up in the Hunter and then go off to Mirage, and that's what happened. 18 months after I was on the Hunter, I was off to the Mirage. And uh, it was a big success, but my the whole ambition of life was to fly Hunter. And the next minute I was there for five minutes and I was off to the Mirage. But still, yeah. it was... Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Obviously, like, the Mirage is, like, a famous, you know, French jet. It's beautiful. So what were your first thoughts when you saw it? Uh, like, even up close, you'd be like, that's an amazing-looking jet. I mean, it, it looks beautiful, but what were, your, what were your first thoughts? The French lady. Have you ever heard the term of the Mirage? Because yes. it's just three little legs up there. And it's, yeah. You just, it, to look at it, it's just a beautiful-looking aircraft. It really is. And, in fact, the Hunter came down shortly after I went on the squad, and the poor Hunter looked quite squat with its tanks and everything, whereas the Mirage was sitting up there with its supersonic, supersonic yeah. drop tanks. It was, it was a lovely-looking airplane, beautiful. And it, it's a fighter pilot's fighter, uh, fighter. You strap it on, you know, and go and fly, a bit like the Hunter as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Mm. And can you talk us through some of your ground training on the Mirage and how it differed coming from the Hunter? Because obviously, I'm guessing you're a generation up now. So how did that change for you? It, it changed in a lot of ways because the helicopters, quite at that stage, it was very different from the Hunter without the tailplane. And you've got this huge, uh, complex tailoron affair um, um, going on. In, in the, sorry, Elevon going on with elevator, elevator, and it's a huge big mixer in there. And uh, but it was it, it was a bit of a sh- uh, interesting because we happened to be the last two pilots to go to be trained on the squadron, mm. and we had come down from a, an operational squadron in in up north, and then down to South Africa, and things were were, were routine because it was a civil. It, it was basically a peacetime air force, mm-hmm. so the training was much the same in that we did the ground subjects, and then we we now had a two seater to go flying. But we did a lot of similar time in between time because I, I, mean, I was just a bit of a handful, especially at that stage. I think I'd less than 600 hours. Um, no, yeah, I wouldn't be even that much probably, probably 500 hours. So we were very uh, inexperienced pilots to go onto the Mirage. And um, and then the, it just took a, a progression, which is a lot probably slower than it did for us in Rhodesia because we had to be operational. But the, the, the role of the aircraft in prim- the primary role was interceptor. So we worked a lot with radar and uh, the ground uh, GCI, ground control intercepts. And then we would then we moved on to ACM. And then we would go on weapons camps to different parts of the country to Bloemfontein. And we would go to Cape Town for air to air gunnery and down to Durban for supersonic training. It took quite a while, probably about um, at least six months to go to get through the training, which was quite a lot for us coming from, from up north. But yeah. but all the time we wore Rhodesian uniforms, which which proved to us we went down basically as diplomats, not as seconded. Mm. So it proved to us that we were supposed to be probably taking these back. At one stage, we did a, another senior to be another Rhodesian guy, and we took two Mirages down to Cape Town to do flying against radar tracking guns, which was another interesting. At that stage, that's what caused all the damage in the Yokopur War. With, with against the Israelis, anyway, we, we and we all our technicians were all Rhodesians as well. So that sort of showed us that perhaps the time was coming soon be, before we go back. But politics got involved. But it was it was a really it was a really really good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, we're going to stick to aviation because I want to know a yes. bit about the Mirage. Uh, so obviously, yes. you had afterburner for the first time. What was that afterburner takeoff for the first time like? That must have been quite incredible. Absolutely, I've yeah. got this power. <laughs> well, as I said to you early on, when I, when I went into military power, I didn't release the brakes. I thought, you know, but then into with America, the French lovely, they've got a lovely cloak or post combustion, they call it. Full afterburner, my word, then she went. And the beauty of the CZ, it was, my instructor was actually an EZ pilot. And mm. it, because it was heavier, even though it had an uh, Aton C, which is the newer engine, if I, were, if I was taking a formation with him, he'd go full afterburner, and I'd go solid full afterburner. I'd have to come back. It was oh. that much more powerful than the E, the e model. It was so we eventually got airborne, and I'd have to come right back because it actually had a high angle of attack than we did. But yeah, it was it was a it was a hot rod, and um, it really was. And we never got another reason. We probably never got the Mirage and. Um, we had at one stage Israeli pilots come down and fly with us. And this was in '74, just after the Yom Kippur War, and um, they said 
you know, they saw it and they said, what's going on here? And said, oh, they're, they're going to take our seasons back. And they said, well, you're crazy. That's your best dogfighter. It was never meant as a dogfighter. It, 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 it was very basic. And the one, the season especially, you still refueled it like you did a, a Cessna 172. With a, with <laughs> you didn't, really? You didn't. Wow. And uh, the, 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 the fuel gauge are rudimentary. When the guy filled it up, he just put a detailed number on there. The gauges had fuel gauges, but by the time the fuel gauges started working, it was almost too late. Wow. It really, it, yeah. And we nearly lost an aircraft because the engine, the technician forgot to put the fuel in, but he still put the numbers up. He got the aircraft room. And the guy nearly lost the aircraft. But anyway, the, the, it, it was understandable because the whole object was to get airborne uh, and climb to a level, have rocket assisted if they needed it, accelerate, shoot down a bear bomber, and then get picked up on radar uh, on GCI, where they were vectored on GCI, get vectored down again on GCI to GCA and man. It just had an idea. That's what we got. It was... Tiger Moth on steroids. It really was. Oh, I like that. That's a great. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that one. I'm nicking that from you. Mirage three. Tiger Moth on steroids. That's brilliant. Because <laughs> it was basic. It actually basic. You strapped it on and you went like blazes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the cockpit like? Like, was it comfortable for you? Out of this world. It was uh, coming out of the Hunter. Everything was right there. It was. It had a whole. Um, um, early warning uh, panel, master warning caution panel, whereas the hunter you had to look around to see where all your lights were. The co- the, the stick was right on your, uh, that's where I got the idea of having my hunter's stick drop, because the stick was right there. It was very heavy. It was power control, but mm. heavy, because I think there was so much power in, in, on the on elements the that you could bend there. I'm doing rolls. You had to tell the car if you were taking some for a ride and say, listen, you're going to stand by because I'm going to roll this thing. And it rolled so quickly. It was really powerful, but very comfortable. Everything was, was um, oh, ergonomics were ideal. It was really, really good airplane. Size-wise, I just made it sort of thing, you know. It was just... You were just fitting in there. <laughs> yeah, it was snug. <laughs> yeah. And what was, like, what was it like going from... Um, well, you were an REF kit from the Hunters, and then you, you went to our uh, French uh, kit. How did that feel like going from the French helmets, I guess, from the REF helmets? We didn't actually. They were oh. using RF stuff. They, I used exactly the same elements. Our oh. front suits and everything were exactly the same. We I, I did go solo in a in a in a in a suit like that, which is all encompassing. I don't know that shows. But there was a G suit yes. come flight suit. We didn't actually fly those. We flew generally after I'd gone solo with a normal a Nomex jack and, and a and a G suit on underneath. But the helmet and everything was the Mark One, I think it was, all the same. Later, when they got the F1s, they got the modern headset, I think, because they it probably was incorporated with their, their uh, weapons control system or something, I think. But mm-hmm. basically, ours was the same. Yeah. That's really interesting. And yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk a bit about the strengths and weaknesses of the Mirage and how you felt flying the jet. Well, um, certainly the, the strengths with the acceleration, obviously. Um, and um, <clears throat> it um, looks obviously wonderful. Handling was was really good. But at the end of the day, surprisingly, the, 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 because it was designed as an interceptor, it actually worked really well as a dogfighter. And, mm. and, and that was surprising because it was never intended that way. Um, it was just that Israelis had done such a good job with it, and then everyone wanted one. But when we came to dogfights, um, if you flew the aircraft correctly, 
it was, and, and I think one of your other where I was talk, guys talked about it, because you always want to generate this overshoot. Mm-hmm. And with that drag from that from that um, delta, as long as you didn't let it bleed off too much, you go with it. You couldn't slow down. My first kill was against an F1. We were up oh. in a two versus one. Yes. <laughs> up against a two versus one. And now we weren't allowed to go behind, below 180 knots because once the aircraft, if you did an incipient or a spin or a stall, you virtually had to eject because it took so long to come. It would come out, but it took so long. So we weren't allowed to fly below 180 knots in a fight. But the F1 could go down to 125. So I thought, oh, where are we done now? You know, because you had flaps and all sorts of things. The Minerals 3C's got nothing. It's just got a wing and controls, no flaps, forward slats, which is a 2000 air. Anyway, we went into this fight, and I was, and uh, I, the bogey was this F1, and I was on the on the starboard side, and the, my lead called me, so we had a bogey in your six o'clock, break right. So I broke right, and almost immediately he slid high. He said, You can reverse. And this chap couldn't slow down. I pulled into a break, unloaded, and he said, Reverse, I reversed. There he was. My first killer. He was also new in the aircraft, but wow. if you handled it correctly, and I went up with with good fighter pilots, I think I might have mentioned the one thing, Dick Lord, and he's been mentioned in your program as well. Yes, yes. He is amazing, bloke. And he, when I first met the squad, we had a while before we flew, and he was going up on a two versus one, and I asked him if he jump in the back seat, and he was a bogey, and wow. oh, amazing, absolutely That's amazing. amazing. Bogey should never win the fight. It should be maybe a stalemate, but never a win. He just took him out three times in a row. But that's the sort of flying. And going up with those guys, I went up with another chap. And you had to be, to fly the Mirage really well to turn, you had to use a lot of, keep it very smooth and use a far bit of rubber. Because as soon as you started using the controls, these great big barn doors would come out and there would be that much more drag. Mm-hmm. But it was at that stage I started doing ACM and it became a passion of mine since then. I've started, I've probably talked about the virtual reality here. I do it in F 16s now and that sort of thing. But that's yeah, been yeah. solid on, on the Mirage. It was it, it was a great airplane to fight him. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard like uh, from a few people, the Mirage guys and stuff like that, saying it's an absolutely incredible aircraft. Probably isn't a, a, a complete pilot thing, but it needed a bigger engine. Is that true? Not necessarily with the CZ. Uh, the EZ, I think, certainly needed one. If we had a dogfight uh, with with the, the, they had one called the RZ, which was a reconnaissance model, there was also an EZ, but the, the, there was no contest, basically, um, between, uh, because the, it was, the, that engine was built for that aircraft. After that, they just, started, as they do with the aircraft, they start putting stuff on, and they never actually keep up with the engines, as the rule. But that particular aircraft, as far as I'm concerned, it, did, it, it was it was it did well. It, you know, it, it was. The, I think the power ratio, weight ratio, was very good. Mm-hmm. And on the CZ, that's why I was keen to talk about the CZ because that was, that's sort of my baby. I mean, just like to mention as well about the Mirage, Giora um, Epstein. He's got 17 kills. Um, he's probably the, 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 on jets. No one will ever overtake that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I heard an interview of his once where he said he flew the the, the Nesha, which was the, the the Mirage 3C, or 3, it was a ground attack aircraft, I think. Well, obviously, also, also air-to-air. But it wasn't the Kefir, it was the original 3, Mirage 3 that they built. And he flew the F-16. And the, the, the interviewer asked him and said, which one did you actually prefer flying? Now, I always want to fly the F-16, and there's one that sits on my table here. That was my love. <laughs> when I first saw it, I wanted to fly one of those. And he sat there and he thought about it for a while, and he said, actually, the Mirage. And I thought, that's a surprise. He said, because I'm actually flying that aircraft. No one else. Mm. He says, and you've got the stick over here, you just wanted the inputs. 
And he said he felt that. And so there was, after that, I actually thought, no, I've done all right now. I've done Mirage 3C. I'm quite happy. <laughs> so, like in the Mirage, you can feel the, the, the feedback and everything. You can feel what yes. the jet's doing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can obviously through power controls, but it's got a, it's got a very, very good balance feel to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You just have to be careful. I never got in a situation. I, 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 uh, that I because you could high speed stall it, then the game was over, and it would just depart, you know. Mm-hmm. And I never got to that's the, a good one time, quite close, and it took a lot to unload to get out of it because obviously everything happens over the top of the wing. But I went over the chap, and he actually flew to zero the speed. Oh, he went over, yeah, he went over the top of the fight, and he just let it fall. As long as you didn't do anything, it came out of it again. You know? <laughs> it was watching the games like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, you just had to fly it well, and and it, it, it took a. Oh, I was only there for three years. Um, I'd probably have done another five quite happily to, to get it all under my belt. But we had a lot of fun as well. A lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was your frontline squadron on the Mirages? Like, and um, where were you based? Like, what was your, um, and your day-to-day role as a pilot on the Mirage 3? It, it basically, we were based in uh, Pretoria, the Vodacoop. That's where all, that says all the fighters were there. They dispersed after, after I left to different parts of the country. And, but it was uh, primarily our role, and the most of the flying we did was intercept um, with tra- training radar interceptors and also for ourselves. And it was sometimes disappointing because the radars were the original Serrano one and they didn't do all that well. But that was a primary role. But in between that, we would do ACM. We didn't, once we'd done the sort of course of it, and we would do, do ACM. And also, we found with the peacetime Air Force, um, the guys were very senior. It was there. Two Squadron was this um, elite squadron at that stage. Mm. And the guys were involved in all sorts of stuff. So us slowly reducing quite often got to fly a bit more, you know, and, and, and we got to do that. But we had these camps as well. We would go for two weeks to uh, to do a weapons air-to-ground camp in Bloemfontein or in Petersburg. Or, you know, said, we go to air-to-air gunnery down in Cape Town, which was amazing because you had the mountain backdrop. Oh. And, it just, you know, it was just absolutely amazing. And it had to be a good day, otherwise you'd shoot ships. So that was beautiful. And we go to, down to Durban to do ACM, supersonic ACM. So you could actually go into a fight, go supersonic without blowing people's ears off and, and uh, just fight with unlimited sort of things. So it, it, it was good from that point of view. Yeah, we, yeah it, was, it was really interesting. It picked up, it changed a lot when I left because then they, they had their own little conflict going and things changed quite a bit um, with combat. They had the F on one and they were deployed. So it was quite different after I left. Yeah. Um, so you asked, sorry, uh, you, uh, I didn't answer all your questions about the. You asked me about the the weaknesses um, yes. uh, and the strength of the of the, the Mirage. Uh, the, yeah. the dog, I got down to dogfighting, and that was that they use it to its best capability. Let's put it, and then obviously Israelis did as well. But um, the hydro you had to be very careful with, and obviously the basic fuel system. It, it was very basic, and you had to make sure. Everything was in this place. Um, otherwise, as I said, we nearly lost a couple of aircraft because they're big. But, but that's the way it was designed, and they just made the most of it. I think mm-hmm. at the end, yeah, yeah. And like uh, the Mirage was obviously was it like easy to maintain for the guys on the ground because it looked like, as you say, it was kind of simple. But was it like easy to get ready to you know apply weapons, put the bullets in, ready to go? Uh, what was that like for the guys on the ground? Yeah, easy. The, 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 the Mirage was like the hut. It had the pack. 
So the gun pack wasn't probably there. Drop one and put another one up. The other ones were fitted fairly easy. It didn't have an awful lot of weapons. We had a couple of missiles. We had air-to-ground um, missiles, but we never used them. And they had, we always flew the sidewinders and would practice using the sidewinders. But, yeah, very easy to maintain. They also, the, the South Africans had ORPs, much like you guys in, in, in operational platforms. Yeah. And there they could just plug it in and um, press a button and away you went. Once again, we never did that, but they were available if it was required down there. Mm -hmm. Now, it was very easy aircraft to maintain. And all that complex stuff, the French obviously did a good job with it because it, it really worked. I, I remember very few problems. And the engine was actually even simpler than the Hunter. It worked, they had afterburner, but it didn't have bleed uh, valves and that sort of thing, which the Hunter had. Now, it's it was a nice, a nice engine. And I think the, the only problems I mentioned was the radar. Our guys spent a lot of time working on the radar to try and keep it going, you know, because it was it was our main role, if you want to call it that, that we had to have a radar. And it was very, at that stage, I say the Serrano one was very basic. You know, we could only lock on it about eight miles. Yeah, and did you guys in the South African Air Force work with the French a lot? Did you get the, the Mirage pilots coming over or any interaction there? No, not while I was there. The only, the only friend, we had one guy, a technician, on the squadron, and he was mainly dealing with the technical side. And I used to get the the local military attaché. I don't know. He, he and I him. He used to come out and fly and do his instrument flying to keep up his license. And the little French guy would come out and sit in the back, and he would fly. That was about <laughs> the only. The, the, for us, it, honestly, the Israelis were the guys. So they, there's a story behind that which I won't go into. But they they taught us a lot because. And I talked about the the, the, the the drag of the mirage. And they used to say to we used to, we used to practice this egg. You probably don't have you heard of the egg. But if you do go into this, no. the merge, you climb up because you get the best turn at the top, apparently. So what you want to do is that the bloke who gets to the top the most can turn the best and come down. We got our ACM notes from the from the Australians, in fact, Australian mirages. But the the the, the yeah, the, the Israelis said, No, you don't want to get your you don't go up to just climb up to your best turning speed and hold that. And even though the other guy will be above you, he thinks he's winning. But once you, you've got the, your best turning speed and performance, once he comes down, he can't hold you. We learned a lot from them and also with multiple combat stuff as well because they they told us that they just had to, if it, they went to fight two of them, they would come up against multi-aircraft and then they had to split. And what they also had to do is when they were fighting their various other people, they had to watch each other and they would debrief on that when they got on the ground. I thought you could have turned... Bit faster there. Meanwhile, he's fighting his own guard there. Hmm. It was an amazing experience. It really was, because they had to. And, and um, yeah, it, it, the, the good thing about it, though, so the South Africans, one of our reducers flew with them, but the South Africans flew with them, and the South Africans did all right, considering they were peacetime air force, which was which was interesting. Yeah, but that was that was a huge learning experience for us there, having them there. Absolutely. Yeah. And did you ever, like, um, before I move on and finish up the Mirage part here, Steve, uh, did you ever get to work with the REF yourself? No. We, we were on the nose, I think, at this stage. We, the only people, that's why we didn't have dissimilar stuff or anything like that. Even the South Africans had no communications with anyone else at, at that stage. The closest we had to the RF were um, Javelins. They were based yeah. in, in Zambia, yeah. That, that, that was all the closest we had. Yeah, I didn't, it, the, the, guy, the experience of the guys listening to the guys now with Russians going out there and the RAF and French, you know, it, it, the similar stuff must be amazing. Something like Red Flag. Yeah, it's know, crazy it, all the things it, going on at the moment. It is. <laughs> 
but uh, you've kind of shared a few memorable stories. But I want I want a uh, few more from you, Steve, from your time on the Mirage okay. Three. You have to have a couple <clears throat> there for our viewers. Well, the, the first one would be, be interesting. We was with the we were flying a formation of four aircraft down to um, to Durban one day to go and do a weapons training and. Double, I don't know, 006 or 004, the Concord was doing hot weather trials. And um, we knew he was there. Anyway, we, when we were flying down, we could hear 004. It was Brian Trumpshaw. And wow. anyway, we, yeah. wow. as we descended, he came onto the Durban frequency. We'd actually beat him down there. And my boss on the spur of the moment said, listen, any chance of us coming for waiting on you? You know, He said, yeah, I think he was ex-military. I don't know. He said, yeah, sure. So we went out over the sea, and uh, with two of us, we quite obviously quite spaced from them, but two of us on, on either side, and we flew around, and we quickly had to land because we were running out of the barrel, didn't carry too much fuel. So we came and did our landing, and um, uh, taxied in, and the tower came up and said, quickly, he's coming to give you guys a beta. And I just remember sitting there on the, on the flight line, looking at it, I just saw his black smoke, and this is the Concorde coming. And he came by, and he just went straight up. It was an amazing experience, wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was that was a really interesting one. And um, also made a, a feature movie on the squadron, which turned out to be quite exciting because a friend and I, was a junior guy, someone's got to go and fly that aircraft, they can take pictures of you in Mirage. So he and I jumped in, and we just, all this flying, which you don't get much chance to do, having photographs taken. The movie didn't turn out to be very good, but it just was quite exciting. But then... The other thing, I heard a chap talking the other day about um, the Mirage um, and flight tests. When I, when I realized um, things were, sometimes were quite slow on the squadron, and the, the South Africans had a really, really good service center at Jan Smuts Airport, the main airport. They had, ah, it was, the, the, because they put the Mirages together and everything. And anyway, someone called me up and said, listen, you've got to go and do an air test tomorrow. So I went across with this chap, and we climbed into our Mirages, and in the Hunter, we still have to write everything down. But here, it was just sit there in this clean mirage, no tanks, without a radar, so this bullet nose, and uh, like new, because they'd all been sprayed. Anyway, we took off and did our air test, and I came back, and I still had a half tank of petrol. So I said, to God, I said the bloke went off, and he said, he was doing his thing. So I went to the engineer, and I said, listen, I came back with half a tank of fuel here. And said, can, I, can I go and play afterwards? And they looked at me a bit strangely, and they said, yeah, sure. So I went back with him, and it was really a, a chore to go into air, air tests. Mm -hmm. So I, <laughs> so then the, the black said to me, next day, you've got to go back again. And so I said, oh, boy, do I have oh, to? Oh, bloody hell. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I rushed back, did my air test. We just had to get airborne, write everything down, fly to 1.6 to make sure these little masks came out the side. And then he said, okay, so I just descended into the low flying area, did the aerobatics, and had this beautiful instrument they call the boom, which is a ball, I think. It's the AH, it's, a, it's taken off the air data computer, and it's all seeing and dancing, you know, not like the Alhata, which is uncaged, and if you didn't cage it, the whole thing would pop out. So aerobatics and everything. And then I got two involved in it. One day I went taxi out, and I had a, a single seat, a two-seater. This thing here, this is the two-seater BZ. And that is not a weapon. It's not a weapon. It's a purely a trainer. So it was way more powerful than the other one. And I was sitting on the cross runway one day, and a UAT DC-10 landed, and a French airline. So I was sitting there waiting to take off, and the, the, the tower said, you're going to have to hold for the Mirage is about to take off, because he turned off the runway. And I said, well, I have to show this French guy what his airplane doing. 
And I went into, <laughs> went into full drought thrust. There's a cave. Into many after when she started to creep. And I went full after, let the brakes off. And I was even halfway down the runway. Yeah. I went past him at 300 knots. <laughs> oh, did <laughs> you? Know, just, <laughs> and then I went straight up. And uh, that was fine. And I, I couldn't hear what he said because he was now in ground frequency. But I liked to have nobody said. But as I turned out, it all went quiet. Now I'm over Joburg now. It's under 20,000 feet. Look down and I'm supersonic. <laughs> now you know, <laughs> you know what happens when you okay. go supersonic. And the money that's involved there, well, I just went, and I quickly did my ATS, came back and landed, and I expected that everything was booked to be. As it turned out, they have so much mining going on around there, the boom boom that you heard at 20,000 feet. So you again trouble. <laughs> Nothing was heard, but I was petrified. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I mean, what a story. story. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was good fun. Yeah. I mean that's incredible, Steve. But uh, yeah, I mean, our viewers are going to absolutely love that. But uh, yeah, before <laughs> we get into the personal questions here, how many hours did you get on the Mirage Three? Five hundred and fifty. Once again, nice. it was in three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Like, yeah, it's very yeah. cool. Two and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to get into some personal questions here. Um, obviously, you're an author. So can you tell us about uh, the books you've uh, written to date? Because one's yep. The Joy of Flying, which I think are you donating to uh, conservation for the hunter at the moment? Not so much that. The hunters all looked after. Those Mirage 3Cs that I flew, the later models, the E models, were all converted to Cheetah. And the early C models basically were just dumped. And I've got mm. horrible pictures of them sitting in a park, and it really, it really upsets me because these aircraft have done such an amazing job. Even the Israelis don't. There's some of them don't look after them, and I, mm. I've written. But um, anyway, the, 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 that's that's what I like to preserve. A couple of them are sitting under open hangers, and they, they are being looked after to some extent. But I would love to be able to put more money towards maintaining them, so they're not discarded and they were from a previous regime so for the new regime doesn't feel the same way about them that perhaps we do sort of you know at mm -hmm. the stage but thankfully um yeah the book came out it was based on that story of my father getting a beat up it went onto facebook and people just kept on writing especially the south africans and eventually they got it printed basically <laughs> so this is this is that came out here the, the, the joy of life the Basically, joy of flying, yeah, absolutely brilliant. That's it looks like a hardcover there, Steve. Is that like is that this one's a hardcover? It's Kindle hardcover and softcover with with Amazon, and um, yeah, it's um, it's just stories. All those stories, some of the stories I've spoken about today, and other ones, and it's just about not about. There's a little bit of war in there, but mostly it's just about fun and flying, you know. And because I was a technician, I can. I can understand some of the, the technicians that really enjoy that because I try and put them in the seat, if you want to call it that, so they can feel what it's like to go through the whole motion. Some of it's more interesting than others. There were a couple of um, un, um, unusual times, but, <laughs> but mostly just about the joy of flying. It really was, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I sort of, for these ones, actually, this is um, uh, the Hunty, the Jet Fighter. It was about my airplane. I was trying to raise money to get it flying. I had four published. They never... They would never raise the money to get mine, it would have cost a million dollars. But the, the the thing I was most chuffed about, I told, I mentioned when I wrote to you that uh, I met Neville Duke. Now, he was obviously a hero yes. of mine, maybe further to something. I met him at um, at an air show at Kemble when I launched my first book. And um, 
the, the, the greatest satisfaction, I became a friend. I used to correspond. But this was a full-page advert in, in, a, in an Australian magazine. Oh. And that is his book, Test Pilot, with my That's one underneath. Bad. And I sent that to him. And that is pretty it. cool. It's lovely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And Fly Force magazine were very good with my books as well. They always gave me a bit of a blur. But it's been fun. I do, a bit of, I do the painting and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, So where can our viewers find those books online? Have you got a website? Where can we find just direct our viewers? And I'm sure they're going to pick it's, one up. These, unfortunately, uh, they sold out and my publisher doesn't do I haven't done one for a oh. fairly long time now. I want to go back online. I've got a website. It's just um, www.huntythejetfighter.com. That's it, huntythejetfighter.com. And I, I, I hope you, uh, if I start painting again, I will get produce some more books. This one's just on Amazon, The Joy of Flying Steve Murray, basically. Yeah, that would really? be... Yeah, so that, that, that's been a bit of a pastime in my overnights when I was flying for Qantas. <laughs> so tell us about your, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but your connection with the Hunter with uh, the Perth Aviation Museum, is that correct? Yes. Yes, they, they've got um, um, they've got a really good museum. They've got a Lancaster, which they've restored, and the same team that do Lancaster, yeah, nice. is restoring my Hunter. And they did an amazing job. In fact, at one stage, one of the guys walked past and said, I think you should buy this thing, Steve. They've taken all the panels off. They've taken everything because they want to get rid of all rust. And they don't compromise the aircraft structure at all because they say in 20 years' time, if someone wants to fly it, they don't want to be able, they want to take something apart. They can actually get to flying again if they wanted to. Not that they want to. But, um, yeah, they, they... I was hoping they would keep it in, in my colours of my jet. Can I bring my jet across? The yeah, bring one? it across, Steve. Yeah, you grab it, Matt. It's a 30-second scale. That is uh, when incredible. I, when I realised I couldn't buy, uh, couldn't get my hunter flying, I donated it to a museum in New South Wales, and they kept it in these colours. Well, this is basically the same as the, I bought a Singapore one, but um, it just had a, 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 a blue line underneath. But anyway... They kept in these colors, and it had my name on the side, and Indonesian mark, because this aircraft was shot down, 1280, in the war. Wow. It was, it was, it sounds weird, but it was taken by one AK-47 round, which took out the hydraulics. Wow. And when he came to put the gear down, it somehow affected the gear. So he couldn't get the gear down. He had no power controls. It was at night, so he ejected. So this is, this has restored this aircraft into, into... Did you see your names on the canopy there, uh, Steve? That's a there, yes. So if you yes. put it up to, uh, if you lift it up a bit for our viewers, because uh, it's like, yeah, a uh, bit, bit to your left, That's... and a bit above. I, I want to see it. Sorry, I'm being really nerdy here. No, no, right there, we go. Go, okay, I'll got it. Yeah, it's perfect. It's one of the museum guys. He's actually because this is going to sit next to the hunter. The hunter will be in RF colours. With a little yeah. kangaroo on the side because they were Americans. But this will sit in a case next door. And it says here, um, air crew who, uh, the memory of the aircraft who perished in the Rhodesian Bush Wall. And to the Hunter 1280 itself, they were shot down. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of history. That's what, you know, it's a, I'm very pleased about it. And as I said, they, they made the, the model up. It's a beautiful model as well. Honestly, yeah, you sent me a few photos and it's an incredible model. Uh, yes. But uh, do you get involved like on a daily basis or weekly basis with the team? I did initially. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a volunteer organization 
it, it's a long way from where I live. It's an hour and a half away. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it sort of got a, yeah, it, I do, I go down fairly often and go and see how they're coming along, basically. When you can, yeah. At some stage, once the things are settled down, you're probably going to ask me my hobbies. So I hear you ask people that I've got an 11 year old daughter, and running off to her is quite a hobby <laughs> <laughs> at age 74. Mike. So I get down when I can, basically, and, and see how things are going. And the guys have been very good about it. I just, because I donated it to them. And they do, especially in the cockpit, they do an amazing job. The guy is an instrument man himself, and he's made everything work in the cockpit. Everything, wow. all the lights. That's incredible. And it was unwanted one stage. Yeah, I mean, he's done an amazing job. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hard work pays off, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, and they, they, they just they get on. Only one of them is a, um, I think only one of them is an engineer. A lot of them are car mechanics and the rest of it. You know, they just enjoy being around airplanes. Brilliant mm. stuff. That's what we need. All those nerds love yeah. that. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so apart from aviation, uh, do you have any hobbies, Steve? Yeah. I, I, um, when I was flying, particularly in the airlines, I, fitness is always a big thing, especially as a pilot, especially as a fighter pilot as well. You want to get, and it became a hobby. So I, did, I used to do um, swimming, cycling, jogging, and squash was a favorite one. Squash was very, I don't know if the RF was the same, but in Rhodesia, Every base had a, well, anyway, had, had a squash court. And so the only yeah. thing we could leave the squadron for was to go and play squash because oh. of the hand and eye coordination. So we had a, a guns ladder for our gunnery. We had a rockets ladder for our rocketry. And we had a squash ladder. So when we played squash, yeah. So, That's incredible. So we all, became, we all became quite good squash players. At, at that stage. <laughs> yeah. And then sailing and kayak. When I retired, I retired to northern Tasmania. And I had a, a, a nice, uh, exciting sailing dinghy there and yacht and, and kayaks. And then out of the blue came our little late lamb, Amy. <laughs> so we've been sort of – and the Qantas has been good. We travel a lot. We like traveling because we we get good travel with Qantas and we cruised all around the world in the last 10 years, which has been fun. And yeah, I read so. a lot. I read a lot of um, sailing, tour ship sailing stuff from the Napoleon on So that's been fun. And I'll still get to fly as well. A friend of mine in Tasmania owns helicopters, and he doesn't fly them, so they're his toys. And I get involved with STEM with schools. I don't know if you have STEM. Uh, yeah, science, technology, uh, engineering, maths, yeah. yeah. And the aviation that, that involves all this. So that my friend used to let me fly the helicopter to the school, land there, and then speak to the kids. Yeah, so it was... <laughs> as, you do. as you do, Steve. <laughs> so it's been fun. <laughs> Brilliant yeah. stuff. But uh, I think I know the question to this one, uh, the answer, sorry, to this question, but uh, favourite aircraft you've flown? Uh, I'm going to pin you down to one. Um, I would, if, if I was to go back and fly again, either the two, and my, my hunter could, mates wouldn't be happy with me, it would be the Mirage. Oh. Yeah, there's, yeah, it would be. And I, I, it's because... It had everything, I think, especially with the afterburn of the power and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was it was really the Hunter is just a lovely, very solid working aeroplane. It did a wonderful job and it's been with me all my life and I'm still very much involved as you can see. But the mirrors in fact the last question someone asked me on an interview with this, which airplane would you like to fly again? The Hunter of the Mirage, and I said they have sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually good. <laughs> yeah, that was actually uh, my next question here, Steve. Was like, well, maybe it's a bit different, but uh, any aircraft you could fly from past or present? The F one hundred and four, past. Right. Um, yeah, I, 
I just heard once, it's a rocket ship. And it's the same sort of thing. You strap it on. You sit in front of this great big rocket. And if the wind tank's on, you can't see the wings, apparently. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I just think that would be, it, it always appealed to me. That would be really, really, really interesting. And um, I think the, the, you know, the F-16, it's, um, you've got all these more modern ones, but the F-16, the first photograph I ever saw was 1974, and I actually painted it from the photograph. And to me, that was just a fighter pilot's fighter. It's you, this wonderful view, sitting back, reclined seat, side stick controller, power, the power in the world. Uh, I think it would have been an amazing aircraft to fly, you know. The F-15, um, the Sukhoi-30, they're huge aeroplanes. They're amazing aeroplanes. But you want to strap in a, a fighter on and go flying, I think. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you very much for a brilliant interview. I'm going to link everything uh, down below uh, for your books, but I, I really appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I could talk to you for hours, but thank you very much for coming <laughs> on the show, mate. Uh, you're welcome, Mike, and I really appreciate what you do for the for the flying fraternity. It's lovely to have okay. stuff like this on the it really is. So well done. Thank you. Oh, thank, you. Really thank you very much.